Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Dreaming is free. That's what Blondie wrote. He also sang it. Winners the Winers. My goodness. North Florida. Really uncensored. Some of the stuff we've seen. Some of the stuff we have heard. Let's get it rolling right here on a Wednesday edition. This is Into the Night alongside the incomparable J.J. La Selva, I am the truth teller, Rick Ballou, honored and fired up to be with you right here on this Wednesday. To me, the microphone is the ultimate. It is the um, best street drug going, okay? It's better than a steroid or Zoloft, and, and certainly at 8 o'clock, I feel like uh, it's time for a volume when I go so up and then come down. Uh, to me, it's necessary. So... With that said, perhaps this is a little bit self-serving, and if so, tough, okay? Uh, It's going to make me feel better. I hope it makes you feel better as well, certainly for those who do wear the garnet and gold. Programming note, I wasn't on Monday. We had Monday night football. We were your home of the Jaguars, the first place Jacksonville Jaguars. All this good news today, including Trevor Lawrence. All right, looking better, looking healthier. Maybe the big concern is the limited play of C.J. Beathard today with the shoulder. I, I got to believe he's your starter Sunday in Cleveland. We'll find out, though. Got tomorrow, obviously Friday and Saturday as well. Tuesday night, I did not talk about the college football playoff. I did not talk about Florida State because we're in an NFL city, Right? It's all about the Jaguars. They are always priority number one. They are always the main story. I know we have an outstanding college football audience, but the Jags are the king. And when you lose your quarterback, and I got to tell you, all those years I spent as the Jaguars' sideline reporter, I cannot ever remember a game where players went down at the rate that they did on Monday. So yesterday's show was 100% Jaguar talk. Gets us to tonight. I've been sitting on this since Sunday. So if if you're one of those that's going to take on the, oh, my God, it's Wednesday and Baloo's still complaining about this, fine. Say it. I don't care. All right? I haven't gotten it off my chest. If you think Twitter's good enough, you're wrong. Twitter's nothing compared to what it's like to actually come on out and say what you feel And then, hopefully, just move along. Now, for those of you who know me, I'm a sports guy, right? January will be my 32nd year. It's a great life. It really is. A lot of you may think, Blue, you're a massive complainer. Okay? That's fine. I can handle that type of uh, uh, whatever, if you want to identify me that way. You hear me complain about what? You hear me complain about sports, right? My regular life... That doesn't apply at all. I have a lot of interests, man. I love true crime. I love the mafia. That's all I do is read those books. I love music, classic rock, progressive rock. 
great bands. I also love politics. Huge into politics and the market because of politics and vice versa, what have you. I never talk about politics. You know why I never talk about politics? It's not because I've been told, hey, Baloo, don't you dare talk about politics. No. I don't talk about politics because the minute I mention it, 50% of you are going to love it. 50% of you are going to hate it. There's no middle ground. We're not wise enough to look at issues. We're going to go to our party, and that's the way it's always going to be. So I leave it alone, and I don't talk about it. And I've always stated that what's great about sports is that it's such a diversion. It gets you away from political stuff with the filth and the anguish and everything that goes along with what we see politically speaking. It's really a shame. But sports is different. Sports is your getaway, right? Sports is you live with the Jags. You live for them every Sunday. You live for college football, no matter what team it is that, in fact, you do support. So forever I have said Sports is the best. It gets you away from your personal troubles, your professional troubles. It gets you away from things that really make you angry, like politics. Well, we learned Sunday that this was a massive version of politics. And what I want to get into right now is share with you what I believe is the propaganda share with you what I believe is the conspiracy and also the truth and try to meet all three together as one for the reason why Florida State is not in the college football playoff. All right, for starters, it's not about Alabama, okay? Most of you have this wrong. Everyone is saying, how is Alabama in? Alabama deserved to get in. They beat number one Georgia, okay? The problem has always been this. Texas beat Alabama. That's your problem. Texas is the one that people should be most angry about. Texas has been number seven forever. And the college football playoff committee could not make a case for Alabama without including Texas. Texas has more money than any other school in America. All right, you can put Texas A&M, Ohio State, Michigan. Texas is oil money. They're richer than anyone. And what are they doing? They're making their move into the ESPN, ABC, Disney family next year. They beat Alabama forever. I have been telling you, and others have said it as well, Nick Saban has street cred unlike any other coach in America. He is going to get the benefit of the doubt unlike any other coach in America. Whether you agree or disagree, it's the truth. He's earned it with his success. No one complains like Nick Saban. And no one uses the media the way that Nick Saban does. Last year, Alabama lost two games by what? A combined three points? How many times did you hear during the offseason Nick Saban planting this seed, telling everyone that, wait a minute here. Now, aren't we supposed to have the four best teams in college football? Nick Saban several times did what this past year? 
reminded us that if they actually played the games, Alabama would have been favored in three of those four matchups. The only team they would not have been favored against was Georgia. The other three schools, Bama would have been favored. So Saban had planted that seed. It's brilliant, okay? Uh, And it worked. But the problem here is Texas. Texas was number seven. Texas struggled in quite a few games. That never gets mentioned. They won ugly, but held on to their undefeated season. They put up style points late in the year, but consider what exactly did happen here. Texas was number seven. They beat a number 19 team. That's seven over 19. Florida State was number four. They beat a number 14 ranked team. Florida State fell based on those two football games the entire season from the first week on when they took on LSU throughout the remainder of the year. Florida State was at least three spots ahead of Texas. And in the final week, what we did see happen obviously surprised um, an awful lot of folks. So there's no way around that. Again, number seven over 19 was good enough to move up three spots to number four compared to, or make that, yeah, four spots to number three compared to Florida State winning at number four over a number 14 team covering the spread. Did you look at what Louisville did? People forget this, oh, by the way, because people will say, uh, you know, oh, Florida State beat a bad Louisville team. It's a Louisville team that lost to Kentucky uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Okay, that's true. It was a bad loss. They gave up 31 points in the second half, but still, they lost that game 38-31. Prior to that, they scored 38 points against Miami. They scored 31 points against Virginia. They scored 34 points against Virginia Tech. They defeated Duke 23 to nothing. They knocked off Notre Dame 33 to 20. Florida State held them to six points. And you got absolutely nothing from that. All you were told was terrible quarterback, terrible offense. Florida State should not be in. All right. The propaganda here. This is the Boers, you know, this is really, I think, the, the, the part that I honestly never saw coming. You listen to Fox News, you listen to CNN News, you get a completely different story, right? It's the same issue, but it's a totally different story. When you listen to sports, yeah, there's homerism. Absolutely. The home broadcast, the home city. Most of us want to see our teams do well because it affects our gig, right? Our livelihood. Every once in a while in in major metropolitan cities, you're going to find contrarians. And I think that that's almost by design. You want to have a couple, particularly in the East Coast. You see it in Boston and New York and and Philadelphia. You, You really don't see it too many other places. There's not one here. I mean, just ask yourself this, driving home. Those who cover the Jaguars, can you point to one individual that you would say, boy, he or she hates Jacksonville. He or she really wants the Jaguars to lose. There's not one of those, okay? The propaganda 
really began with Paul Feinbaum. Now, Paul Feinbaum is a man who's not happy unless he's miserable, okay? He needs people yelling at him. He started this all a couple of weeks ago by saying that the Florida State fan base is as sensitive as any in college football outside of only Michigan. He's right. Florida State is a very, very sensitive fan base. I've had my wars with them forever. I'm a Florida State grad. There are people out there who think I do not give enough love to Florida State. That doesn't matter to me. I'm never going to change the way that I feel. I'm never going to get away from the truth. But he was all over this with Florida State. This wasn't professional. This was an agenda. He's got something against the school. Dr. Herbie, we all saw him jumping up and down with Chris Fowler when Alabama completed that fourth down pass to knock off Auburn. Can you imagine being an Auburn fan and watching what Dr. Herbie and Chris Fowler did? Chris Fowler, five, six years ago, came right out and told us he's done with Florida State. He no longer likes Florida State. He was disgusted by the Willie Taggart regime and the and the swag and the and 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 all of the the chatter. Yet they weren't playing good football. As a matter of fact, Dr. Herbie was actually right uh, during that particular um, set of circumstances. Uh, studio hosts. I thought studio hosts were supposed to ask analysts their opinion. You got an Alabama grad like Reese Davis. Totally one-sided. Who the hell's Matt Berry? Matt Berry's like, let's go back to the game. Joe Tessitore and, you know, Louisville, a huge underdog. An underdog? By the time Toe met whether they were a favorite. So, again, just total misinformation. Absolutely inaccurate. And then you got Joe Tessitore, who I always kind of liked. And I, I've always been one of those who, if you want to blame officials, sure. But if you're going to blame a broadcaster for not winning a game, that is asinine. However, in this broadcast, what Joe Tessitore absolutely did was send the message to the college football playoff committee, Florida State should not be in. The offense was terrible. It was a really hard game to watch. And Tessitore attacked it. As a matter of fact, the Gator, Jesse Palmer, was far more fair, neutral, it actually did his job. I got to believe secretly inside, Jesse is a Gators like, yeah, kind of hope Louisville wins this game. We kind of like to see Florida State get left at the altar. That's expected, okay? I mean, that happens. Hell, I learned about that growing up in Boston with the New York Yankees, with the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, if you're a Florida State fan and you're worried about what others are thinking right now, what they're saying, That's just a waste of energy. Of course they're happy that you're out. No one's going to feel bad for you. A couple of members of the media have gone on and said it, but they didn't lose any sleep over this. Joe Tessitore could not go three plays in a row without bragging about Alabama's win, without bragging about Texas's win. It was really a total embarrassment to give the company line and listen to what Joe Tessitore had to say while the game was actually being played. I like to have fun with guys like Al Michaels who are going to complain about the officials and how long. I mean, and I like to have fun with broadcasters. I never really take things personally with what they say. Tessitore had an in. And it was absolutely, totally 
unprofessional. So what you had was a massive brainwash to the college football committee. Uh, ESPN, Disney, certainly in bed with the Southeastern Conference, which remains the cash cow. And we get that, and we do understand that. This, as well, is what needs to really be talked about. And I think this is the part of the story that has been buried. And this is part of the story that a lot of people do not want to hear. The blame is on the committee. The blame is on those talkies that I just mentioned, those major media moguls. The the blame is also on Florida State. Okay? Florida State aired dirty laundry. Florida State's Board of Trustees called out the Atlantic Coast Conference. Florida State's Board of Trustees said, we are better than the ACC. And this is coming off the, you know, this is coming after three years of which they were 11 and 13 in the ACC, where they lost three straight ACC games a year ago. Okay, two years removed from losing to Jacksonville State. Drew Weatherford, who has the chair, and others publicly took this stink to the entire college football world. They destroyed Jim Phillips at Amelia Island. And it continued when we were all at the ACC kickoff meetings in Charlotte in late July. What Florida State did with their board of trustees is this. They came out and said, we cannot be competitive in the Atlantic Coast Conference. We cannot win national championships compared to the SEC and the Big Ten. He was exactly right. He came out and gave them all of the material they needed, all of the information that could simply mean the difference between in and not in. As much as I cannot stand Paul Feinbaum, okay, he is absolutely awful. There's no way around it. When Paul Feinbaum on Monday said, and I quote, people in college athletics don't like Florida State. He's 100% right. Florida State's leaders did this to themselves. They complained about getting out of the ACC, where they hadn't won an ACC since 2014. They were a 500 football team, yet they said to everyone else, including Boo Corrigan, the athletic director at North Carolina State, including Jim Phillips. The Jim Phillips is so bad, okay? And this isn't a Florida State thing. When Jim Phillips was introduced, and I was in Charlotte for those meetings, one day after Greg Sankey, who, oh, by the way, Greg Sankey, he totally did the book tour. Did he miss an interview? Greg, San- Greg Sankey talked to absolutely everyone on ESPN, talk, whatever, about how the SEC needs to have a team in, maybe even two teams in. Did you hear from Jim Phillips, the leader of the Atlantic Coast Conference, once? Did anyone hear from Jim? No, he wrote a scolding letter 
after the fact, okay? My belief is, despite it cost the Atlantic Coast Conference a few million dollars, Jim's actually happy about this. Boo Corrigan as well, because of the way that Florida State handled it. Florida State went, and instead of publicly doing what most schools do, like, for instance, Clemson, who's not happy, North Carolina, who reportedly is not happy. There's been talk about this, you know, forming their own brand of colleges and what have you. And and to go back to Jim Phillips, I mean, he is such a politician. He was making a big deal about those who don't live behind the gated communities, those who don't live behind the white picket fence. I mean, he was coming out as if he was a political figure saying that we're going to tax the rich and we're going to feed the poor and that, you know, the Wake Forests of the world and these other schools, they're going to have as much as the true blue bloods. It, it really upset a lot of people. And if you notice, Phillips has since changed his opinion on this, but he said it. He said it this past July at the Atlantic Coast Conference football meetings. Florida State, Attempted to get out of the Atlantic Coast Conference, even though the GOR states that they can't until 2036. And instead of letting off, they went public with it. Now, you may say, all right, Baloo, it would have gotten out anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll accept that. But you wouldn't have had quotes. You wouldn't have had Drew Weatherford. You wouldn't have had others who would have come out and said, or did come out and say, we cannot win in this conference. We cannot play for a national championship in this conference. Florida State pissed off Boo Corrigan. Florida State pissed off Jim Phillips. Florida State pissed off everyone in the ACC. And I have to believe, when they were announcing who in fact was going to get in, this played a major factor in it. It's not the deciding factor. My belief is if Georgia wins, Florida State would have made it. You would have taken four undefeated teams, end of conversation. Bama wins. Notice no one talked about the Bama-Auburn game. Notice no one talked about the last second field goal by UW over Washington State. Notice no one talked about how Georgia Tech played with Georgia. It was conveniently left behind, yet it was Florida State one ugly with a backup quarterback in Florida, even though they covered. It was Florida State one ugly with a third-string quarterback against Louisville, even though they won by 10 points and covered. I just gave you the numbers. Louisville was putting up way past 30 a game. Florida State held them to say didn't matter. Okay? The message had been sent. So I think that that is a major part of all this that a lot of people don't want to say. The local writers in Tallahassee are never going to say it for fear that they'll be banned, okay? And I know what it's like to do radio in Tallahassee. I used to do it. It's totally different from doing radio here. I can say whatever I want about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and never once have I left here thinking, hmm, I wonder if my access is going to be prevented now. I wonder if I'm not going to be allowed back in that building. There's a big difference between college and pro. Florida State is as much to blame here as the college football committee is. You need true leadership. You need to think 
before you speak. How dare they call out the ACC where they didn't even have a landing spot? It's one thing to call them out and know that you're going to the Big Ten. It's one thing to call them out and know that you're going to the Southeastern Conference. No one wanted Florida State. I don't know if anyone wants Florida State now. It was a totally botched operation. They're right. They're $30 million behind. But you don't publicly say that, especially when your record is under 500 in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So Drew Weatherford, Florida State's BOT, never thought that Mike Norvell would go 13-0. Never thought that Mike Norvell would be in a position to lead Florida State into a college football playoff. If so, they never would have made those asinine comments. They did. Clemson didn't. They did. Miami didn't. They did. North Carolina didn't. Paul Feinbaum, that creep, he's right. People in college athletics do not like Florida State. And it happened. You feel awful for the players. I feel awful for the fans, many of which are probably pissed at me right now. I don't care. I don't care how you feel about me. I care how you feel about them. They got left behind. The committee was awful. The major media, with their comments, was totally disrespectful. Frankly, beyond repair in a lot of these scenarios. But Florida State is culpable as well. Amateurism. Sophomoric. A bot meeting. You say things like that privately with your boosters. You get to Jim Phillips and say, Jim, we're unhappy with this revenue sharing plan. We're the most... We're the proudest team in the ACC. And Jim Phillips can look at you and say, you guys haven't won squat in 10 years. What are you talking about? Well, we're still Florida State. And they proved it. They won 10 games last year. Look at them this year. The ratings are up. People care. People want to watch them. But he said it at the wrong time. And Florida State became the first school ever in the 10 year of a college football playoff to go undefeated and get left behind for those reasons. But don't forget to add. That last reason. Don't forget to add it. Blame the commissioner. Blame college football in the playoff. Blame those media types. Also blame your school for publicly putting Mike Norvell and the football team in that position. Hate to say it, but that, ladies and gentlemen, is the truth. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Ah, such a happy song. Just dream with me, folks. Dream! You ever see this special? It was on, uh, I don't know, one of the... I got them all. (laughs) Except for this weekend when I went to go pull up games on ABC and NBC. I guess our, what, the local provider just, just bailed. And, uh, yeah, the GF's out in Dallas, and I'm like, we got a problem over here. 
Our direct TV bill is like 500 bucks a month, and I can't even get the local ABC or NBC affiliate. She's like, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm going to take an Uber to a bar. That's what I'm going to do instead. But um, who was the guy who got rung up recently on uh, some sexual charges? Uh, Franco, what's his name? Oh, uh, Wilmer or uh, Wander Franco. No. <clears throat> For the Rays? No, 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 oh, no. Oh. He's a Hollywood actor. Oh, James Franco? James Franco. Did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, something about he fondled or I don't know what it was. He, I think he was actually like teaching an acting class and he went overboard. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure. But he, um, he was part of a series where he actually plays two characters. In the series, and it was, it was back during the red light district days of uh, of downtown New York, uh, Times Square, and this was the theme song. So, it, it was good. I, I don't, it didn't get publicized like a lot of these other the series, Deuce. but what's it called? The Deuce. Yes, and I'm telling you, very very good. It probably came out three four years ago. Uh, it was good stuff. So. Um, let me give you that if you're looking for something here uh, to binge watch upon since college football is gone. Oh, as Army, far as we Navy, know Rick. Well, I know. I was going to get to Army, Navy. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a good buddy today who's going to the first ever Army, Navy. I know. We got one game. We got one game. And then, actually, I think the bowls start. I think um, the 16th. This weekend. 16th. No, I would never overlook Army, Navy. Um, Heisman great, great is game. this weekend. Uh, but, yeah, the bowls start the 16th. My Heisman vote was in, and I made it. <laughs> Can you believe that people made Heisman votes before this weekend? A lot of people submitted votes for Bo Nix before the game was even played. Apparently, there's a lot of voters who are really not really affiliated with college football whatsoever anymore. They just like have had the vote forever. They don't watch the sport. They don't love the sport. Um, sucks. I don't vote on a lot of stuff. You should be banned if you vote before championship weekend. I get asked to vote in the ACC football-related stuff, and I, for the most part, I don't do it. Um, probably because the conference sucks. Okay. Hey, Blue, you know, the ACC beat the SEC in head-to-head this year. Yeah, I love the questions I get, like, like this one right here. Hold on one second. Before I do, I forgot to mention the great folks at Schmunez. I got so excited there a couple of minutes ago. I do want to mention uh, the great folks at Shmunez Vision, family organization. They focus on high-quality personal, uh, personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Regardless of what it is that is your situation, uh, they are there for you. That includes eye surgery. Happened to me eight and a half years ago. Just went in for a normal eye examination. And Dr. Shmunez is like, bro, you got a serious issue. It needs to come out of there now. Cancerous deal. Took it out. Eight and a half years later, I go three, four times a year, whatever. No problems. No problems whatsoever. It's only a small part of what they are all about. Schmunez Vision. Check them out online. SchmunezVision.com. Care. Uh, you can see. Yeah, I, I, I get all, you know, these are the type of questions I get. What do you think um, Coach Doran's going to say to uh, uh, Dubu Corrigan, the athletic director at North Carolina State, after he held his hand as the you know spokesman of the playoff committee, the chair of the uh, playoff committee, 
and saying that the ACC team should not get in. My answer to that question was simple. He's never going to be in that situation. North Carolina State's never going to win a national championship. North Carolina State is never going to play for a national championship. That's the problem with the Atlantic Coast Conference. Frankly, we should have seen the writing on the wall. Clemson has won two national titles. Clemson had, what, 10 consecutive years plus of 10-win seasons. They lose to Duke on opening day. They lose in overtime to Florida State. They got kicked out of the top 25. There's no respect for the conference. None. And I get it. I accept it. But still, you've got to handle this stuff internally. You got to know that you have a landing spot before you publicly say that you cannot be competitive. I fully believe that had something to do with this decision. It, let me add a couple of things to this. Number one, forget about the boycott nonsense. That's stupid. All right, be upset, vent, yell. Do whatever it is you want to do. Uh, Mike Norvell needs this month of practice. Mike Norvell needs to uh, get ready for the 2024 season. Um, Another issue that I've seen a lot of lately is Florida State needs to sue. Who? Who are you going to sue? Florida State is suing for transparency. Why? Just read the college football committee. Read what they're all about. It it says right in there. If a major player or players cannot play, it will or can affect their decision on the four teams to make the college football play. It says it. What are you going to sue them for? All they got to do is point to it and say, Jordan Travis is out. You walked out Brock Glenn, and he threw for 55 yards. Didn't help that all these NFL wide receivers drop balls, two on third down. Oh, the great Keon Coleman. Could have added another seven points against Florida two weeks ago. He looked like a Sante Samuel before the David Tyree grab. Let that ball go right by, right through his hands. Top 10 pick. Keon Coleman dropped balls the entire year. Johnny Wilson. Big drop on Sunday. Kyle Merle. I mean, help the kid out. He's an 18-year-old freshman. You drop three. Huge. And and, and what do the scribes do? Boy, that was ugly. Brock Glenn threw for 55 yards. You don't hear about seven sacks. You don't hear about 10 tackles for loss. You don't hear about... Holding this offense, which was one of the very best in the country, to six points. Everyone avoided the defense, right? How they found their running attack. Louisville was a very good rush defense. Top 10 in America. Solid against the run. Florida took a while to get that thing going. But they did. You don't hear that. Instead, you hear, what an awful performance out of their third-string quarterback. I mean, you, you, your stars let you down. For, frankly, they let you down against Florida as well. I and mean, Wilson and Coleman, they'll go down as gods, right? And they're going to go to the NFL. and everything, But they dropped a ton of passes. They really did. 
You know, when you, when you needed them most, I shouldn't say that. I mean, he made a huge grab against Miami, did Coleman. He made a huge grab against Clemson in overtime. You know, when, if, if, you, if you forget 20 straight plays, they diagrammed it in the dirt. You guys run a deep ball. I'm going to throw it down the left side to you, Johnny Wilson. I'm going to throw it down to you on the right side. Keon Coleman. That, that was their offensive uh, imagination. So don't waste your time talking about suing. You can't sue. It's, it's there for us to read. They have the right to move out a team because of an injury. It's, it's self-explanatory. 52-62 Blue, I was wondering, uh, uh, in a nerdy kind of way, I'm wondering if you think Boo Corrigan and the other commissioners will experience any kind of social backlash, uh, fewer speaking engagements, golf tournaments. But the answer to that question is no, 100% no, for two reasons. Number one, people in college athletics don't like Florida State. Number two, you know who spoke last night? You know who spoke last night to the Tallahassee Quarterback Club? From the Champions Club that overlooks Bobby Bowden Field and Doe Campbell Stadium? You know who spoke? Joe Tessitore. The same man who openly rooted against Florida State on Saturday night. The same man who consistently said Bama should be in, Texas should be in, spoke to the dignitaries in Tallahassee last night. And not one, not one individual said a word instead they got stuffed on scotch and steak and they'll take it to social media or they'll scream at one another in their homes or at the workplace in walk joe tessitore and not one not one of them said a word i tweeted it out yesterday shame on the tallahassee quarterback club and i know it's not a Florida State product. I get it. It's not associated with Florida State. But don't act as if they're flying in from Anchorage, Alaska, and Portland, Maine, and all other parts in between on a Tuesday night in Tallahassee for a quarterback meeting. It's all Tallahassee human beings who are all Florida State boosters and fans, and not one of them. And I'm not asking for a riot. I'm not asking for physical violence. But not one of them. Ask Joe Tessitore. Joe, why were you rooting against Florida State the way you were? Instead, Joe showed up, cracked the joke, gaslighted him, and they ordered another three fingers worth. Let's get another scotch here. Let me, let me try to drink this pain away. It's, it's classic America. Instead, I'll show how mad I am on a message board. I'll show how mad I am on Twitter. But, but actually face a major culprit in all of this. I mean, if you were part of the selection committee, go back and listen to the game if you think I'm just complaining. Go back and listen. He is openly rooting for Louisville to win this game. He is openly doing the company line, the Disney line, about the powerful SEC in Texas on the cusp of joining it. You're overlooking Bobby Bowden Field last night and not one of those individuals in a Q&A asked that question? So don't give me false bravado. All right? I mean, again, 
Internet tough guys are the worst. It happens all the time. You're so mean. You're so tough. And you get an opportunity like this. My understanding is Kirk Herbstreit's going to give the Bolitnikoff Award to Marvin Harrison Jr. in Tallahassee. Make sure you buy your tickets for that, Florida State fans. And make sure you give Herbie a nice warm ovation and tell Herbie how much you love him. Okay? Herbie was the worst of them all. He despised Florida State. Despised them. Joe Tessitore. That quarterback club should have canceled him. Someone should have reached in their pocket and said, there is no way this man is coming into God's country after the way he broadcasted that game two nights ago. I I have never said this in my life. Officiating is one thing. Broadcasters do not affect outcomes of games. Broadcasters can affect a college football selection committee with a terrible play-by-play performance, a totally one-sided performance. You know, I know Mike Norvell's going to go back and study tape and do all that stuff. He's recruiting. I wonder if he actually listens to the play-by-play. Someone needs to tell Mike Norvell to go back and listen to that broadcast. I know you can say, oh, I believe you just a Florida State guy. Whatever. If you've been listening, you, you probably understand I don't kiss Florida State's ass. I tell the truth. That was awful by Ted. So the answer to your question is no. No one's going to say anything. No one's going to say anything to Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference. No one's going to say anything to Boo Corrigan. No one's going to say anything to these broadcasters. They're not going to do it. That, that's the world we live in. It's false Bravado. Hell, you could walk Colin Cowherd in here right now. After We covered Cartgate last night. I, I know those guys. One of them's a really good friend of mine. The eight years that I was the Jaguar sideline reporter, I talked to them after the game. That was a total, totally botched story. Again, lazy national media out in Los Angeles taking shots at Jacksonville. I... I can't remember the last time I listened to Cowherd. I have no plans to listen to him. But I guarantee you he won't go back and correct himself. I guarantee you he won't go back and say, hey, guys, I made an egregious mistake. You here know it. You here get it. You know the cart was available. You know that Trevor Lawrence was too tough, that he wasn't going to take a cart because of an ankle. But those who may have tuned in for 10 minutes yesterday – and heard Coward, maybe you're out in Seattle, or maybe you're out in, in uh, Tampa, or anywhere. You hear it, and they go, oh, Coward just destroyed the Jaguars organization. Just destroyed them. No one's going to say anything to them. It's, um, and, and, and I mean this in the correct way. I'm not talking about throwing hands. I'm not talking about threats. No, I'm talking about an adult conversation. Colin Cowherd, you were wrong. Why would you say something like that without checking? The cart was available. He waved it off. Joe Tessitore, your call was god-awful. Obviously, one of your bosses said, do the following. Root for Louisville. 
Also, each and every play, it's third and eight from the Knowles 25. By the way, Bama won today. What a great game that was. Oh, another incomplete pass. This is the sixth straight three and out for Florida State. Texas had a huge win today as well. I think they got a real good opportunity to get in. Jesse, I mean, it was it was terrible. Can you believe that not one person last night? Not one. And what's the fear? What's the fear? You're asking a question. You're scared. And, 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 and you're probably more upset today than you were yesterday because you had an opportunity. And you were too scared. I don't know. I mean, that's on you. Sure as hell ain't driving to Tallahassee. To go. I used to love that club. I think I went to the first one ever when Terry Glenn got it. Rocky Blyer was our guest speaker. I, I used to love the Tallahassee quarterback. I don't even know who runs it now. But they're all Knowles. <laughs> they let this guy, they paid this guy probably 50 grand. Gave him a great hotel, flight. The guy talks crap about your school. And not one of them has enough guts to ask him a question. That, that to me, I'm sorry. That is freaking hilarious. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. All right, Jaguars are a injured football team. No question about that. And they have a short week to try to get themselves ready to go to Cleveland. The team still would play off aspirations themselves. 7 o'clock on a Wednesday, time for John Osher. Let's talk about the Jags. Of course, he is the senior writer at jaguars.com, and he goes into the night with Rick Ballou. John, thanks for a couple of minutes. No problem, Rick. No problem. I uh, was standing next to you in the tunnel right before the locker room and before we heard from Doug Peterson on Monday night. Uh, I'll say this. I think for Jaguar fans, they feel a heck of a lot better right now than I believe they felt when we were standing there on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, life comes at you fast in the NFL. And boy, what a change from the moment that Trevor got hurt, uh, you know, to the end of that game, first of all, just the the gut punch that it felt like. And, you know, even talking to my wife the next day, she's like, you know, I I just went to bed feeling sad, not about that game, but about what it meant for this great feeling that you had about the team, right? And it. And I think, I think that's what most people felt. And now, uh, you know, I don't know if Trevor plays Sunday, but it certainly doesn't feel like his season's over. Um, and, and so it, it feels more normal than it did. And I think that, you know, if you think back to last year, what a parallel it is. Same week of the season, Trevor gets hurt against Detroit. Yeah. Comes back and all of a sudden, you know, things start clicking and, uh, great comeback story. I'm not saying this is the same. I think this is a more serious situation, obviously, but the same kind of emotion. You know, a a, a tough loss, uncertainty about the quarterback. Uh, last year, it was all uphill from there. So, uh, you know, it's not a guarantee, but it's a little bit of history, right? No, there's no doubt. Yeah, and you know whether he goes this week or goes next week or whatever. At least you know he's. He's coming back, and that that was in doubt uh, Monday night. Although I will say there were a ton of doctors on Twitter, so I guess they they had everyone. Yeah, they were calming well, everyone down with their analysis. Yeah, the doctors on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm surprised that they can even get on 
because all the football analysis is there. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure there's even room for the yeah. doctors. Yeah, I mean, the doctors, I mean, are they at hospitals, right? Because they were all on Twitter when Trevor went it down. Was, I mean, right. it, was, it was unbelievable. It, it was not a good time to be sick in a hospital, right? Yeah. No, no. no. All right. Uh, <laughs> the doctors were all busy. I guess the real story, or not the real story, but another big part of this now is limited today was C.J. Beathard with the shoulder. I've always been an every snap count guy where, you know, I, I understand in practice they, they don't hit and they don't do things the way that we see it in training camp, but still I want him taking every snap with that first team offense and, and getting ready limited today. So what do you make of C.J. Beathard? Yeah, I'll, I'll play a little ignorance. I, I, was not able to be, I was not able to be in the locker room around C.J. when he spoke. We were doing our Huddle Up podcast. It fell at the same time because of a different locker room time. Uh, from reading and talking about what CJ said, I don't think he's very concerned. I don't know how many reps he took. I didn't get that vibe. Uh, obviously, any reps off are not a good thing. Um, so, it, you know, the guy who hasn't taken any snaps in practice, it sounded to me like he practiced, uh, you know, I can't say full because he was limited, but that he – that he got work in, which is obviously key. I just, I don't really know right now, Rick, uh, based on what Trevor was saying, you know, I'm not sure he's definitely out this week. And I would not have thought that yesterday. Wow. Uh, wow. But, but my vibe is I, you know, it, it sounds ludicrous, Rick, because we've been around this long enough to know what high ankle sprain means. But Mahomes played through it last year. Um, and, it sort of feels like the kid might play and he's done it sort of twice before. So uh, it goes against everything that I would have thought, but I'm, I'm a little more optimistic that Trevor plays not. I'd, I'd put it 50, 50, maybe leaning toward him playing, which I'll probably egg in my face next week, but I guess I've seen it a couple of times. And I'm just not ready to believe he's not going to play. Well, and, and, yeah, I had this conversation today earlier with someone else who I uh, I respect, and the same thing was said to me. I was kind of like, "Really? I mean, yeah. really?" And 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 that's great. That's encouraging. I mean, that's that's the arrow pointing up uh, as opposed to down. I I, uh, I certainly listened to him today and and, and uh, aware of what he had to say, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I I just can't imagine after that him getting back out there and playing and. and you know, I, I'm going to make the mistake I've always made. We had it about Brandon Sheriff uh, earlier this year. Uh, I think it was week two against Kansas City. I, I'm kind of one of those who says, well, it's early in the year. And at this point, it's not. I mean, you got five games remaining. But if it was like a playoff weekend, then I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that. But with this being a game at Cleveland, the other side of my brain is saying, even if he is ready, let's rest him one more week. Yeah, I uh... – I guess I'll go back to what we were talking about before the New Orleans game. I, I, it's easy for all of us to analyze and say, well, sit him out. You can go beat that team. It's not a big deal anyway because there's plenty of season left. There's 17 of these things, and as soon as you drop one thinking that you've got plenty left, it bites you in week 17 when there's a tie break. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So um, that's the other side of it. I, I'm not dismissing your point because there's part of me that thinks, yeah, let's make sure he's healthy going forward. But it, it's the old adage. We talk about it all the time. 
when they make these decisions, the decision comes down to uh, player. Are you? Do you feel like you can play? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I can play, coach. Doctors, can he play? Yes. Well, then he goes and plays. If if they don't get those responses, they don't play. And I don't know that with the quarterback that it, it it comes down to much more than that. Although we'll certainly all talk about it all week. I don't know if I said that right, but that's sort of how I feel. You know, we always analyze it, and then it comes down to the player saying, "I can go," and the doctors agree. John Oshar, our guest, senior writer, Jaguars dot com. Get everything from John and his staff. Again, go to. Jaguars.com. You know, I spent eight years as a sideline reporter. One of the biggest responsibilities I had was to track injuries. Uh, sitting in the box Monday night, I'm trying to remember, and I'll, you know, I'll ask you, can you think of a game where as many players went down as what we saw on Monday? Yeah, there probably have been, just because every time you say that there weren't, then somebody can say that there were, you know what I mean? But it's as many as I remember. And, uh, Certainly the one-two punch of a Christian Kirk, uh, probably out for the season, but out for a significant amount of time, and then doubling that with Trevor. Uh, I don't know that I recall best receiver, because Christian is, and franchise quarterback going out. Certainly, certainly, you know, when I was in Indy, they never lost Marvin and Peyton in the same game. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. It, and those are really the two guys. I don't say it because the Jaguars haven't had two guys like that probably since the ninth. You know what I mean? Where they were that clearly stud players. So you know, it was tough. And then all of a sudden, uh, your left tackles out, and and uh, Walker, you know, uh, Foley Fadakasi was down, and that's a big loss for this team right now. Uh, so yeah, it, it they are a you know you could say walking mask unit going up, mm-hmm. and yet. I would say, Rick, Bucky Brooks made a great point today. This is when they've been at their best all season and really under Doug. When they, when they need it, when you think they're not going to do it, they've played better than they have in, in, in the so-called big games. You know what yeah. I mean? So, oh, yeah. yeah. So this might be what this team is, is, hey, you don't think we can do it? Well, we're going to go up and play defense against Cleveland, make a couple big plays and go win the game. So – that sort of shed a new light that I hadn't thought about. And I was like, is exactly right. That's what they have been all year. Christian Kirk, that loss is, is enormous. Parker Washington, yeah. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, he was asked to return punts when, obviously, Agnew goes down. But he was thrown into it and, and certainly nice uh, responded well. Uh, did Apparently ran a wrong route, uh, as we talked about, uh, or has been discussed on the uh, on the injury there to uh, to Trevor Lawrence. But what did you make of of Parker Washington, and what do you believe about him moving forward, whether it's with Trevor or Beathard? Well, everybody knows he ran the wrong route on the play that got Trevor hurt, and, you know, circumstantial, you can't go around blaming Parker Washington for getting Trevor hurt. That's football. It happens. Uh, So I'm I'm not sure that's on the table. But I think what you're looking for is the positives of what he did, and, you know, six catches, 60 yards, a great one hand or a great catch in the back of the end zone for the short and long term. That's really big. This team hasn't drafted a wide receiver and, and sort of brought him along and had to make an impact. Uh, it's been a minute. So to have that where you say, OK, uh, I don't know how consistent he'll be 
as a rookie coming in. Now he's got to play with game with defenses game planning for him a little bit, knowing what he is. But he clearly showed that he can get open. He's he, he's got quickness. He played tough. He made a big catch in the right situation. Uh, he's not Christian Kirk because he's not going to have the chemistry that Trevor has with him. And I think this offense has depended on that element big time for the last you know, really two years. So that won't be there. But he can make some plays. I don't think it's going to be a liability, which I think is a positive, because Zay and Evan ought to be the trust guys now. Christian's been that. Zay and Evan can fill that role. What you need a Christian now is to be able to make some plays like he did the other night, and he showed he can. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Parker Washington. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, tomorrow's a big day. Unfortunately, I mean that's the way it works. Um, you know, you have a Monday night game, your first in twelve years, and you yep. have all these injuries, and all of a sudden a short week, and taking on a a, a team that that has to win. I mean, Cleveland has Sunday. to win uh, yeah, if they want to stay in the playoffs. You know, maybe we say this every week, but to me, Sunday it's a game where the defense believes that the strength of the team, it wasn't on Monday, but it's been a strength of the team all year. It's been a run-stopping team, and you've relied on this defense in a lot of big games. Well, now go up there against the Browns and show you're a run-stopping team. Show you're a mentally tough team. Uh, it can define the season, this game. You know, if I think if they win, they get in the playoffs uh, because of the way the schedule is going to shake out. If they lose, it could get dicey if if, if Houston keeps playing well. Yeah. This is a huge game, and it's a game they can go get. I've thought all year they're a mentally tough, mature team. That's a playoff-type team. You know, when they beat all these teams, the Falcons, the Saints, I thought they were winning in that playoff way. Well, this is a game you can go do that, and I think it's it's huge in that regard for this team. John Osher, Jaguars.com. He is their senior writer. John, always a lot of fun. Thank you. Rick, enjoyed it, buddy. Uh, there he goes. Right now at the Blue Crab Crab House, you do have on Wednesday night $1 oysters. Okay, right off of San Jose on Julington Creek Road. And if you're looking for a quick holiday gift, you can get a $50 gift card, but it's worth 65 bucks. That's right. You spend 50 it's worth $65. Imagine that. You don't even have to think about it. Just go and pick one up. That is at the Blue Crab Crab House. Again, tonight, $1 oysters right off of San Jose, located on Julington Creek Road. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now, this injury report for the Jaguars is enormous. It's even bigger for Cleveland. Okay, although I'm seeing some rest here. Let's see. It says rest shoulder. I don't. You don't see that much. It says non-injury related rest, comma, shoulder. Talking about Miles Garrett. I didn't watch Cleveland last week, and I, I apologize. I kind of cheated on my... Uh, Cleveland responsibility. I always take a lot of pride in watching the Jaguars' next opponent, typically on Tuesday. But after Monday Night Football, I did not yesterday, and I did not today. Looks like they got smoked. I cannot tell a lie. Rams 36, Browns 19 in Los Angeles. It's not part of my makeup, JJ. 
Can't lie to this audience. I, I, I did see a little bit earlier today, though, Kevin Stefanski saying that uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is progressing as well. So, you know, all the talk is on Trevor Lawrence and whether or not he's going to be able to go. Cleveland is working on their third quarterback. Yeah, how about Joe Flacco? Off the couch. Like, what was he doing? I, I, I love that how it's like, are they still throwing or is he? Did he like not throw a football at all this entire season until he got to practice? Like, how does that work? I my understanding is he was part of the college football playoff selection <laughs> committee, and he abruptly got up and left uh, to start in that game. Could you forty how, minutes after the announcement? How many teams could you tell me for Joe Flacco? Give me besides you know Baltimore. we all know Baltimore. <sighs> I'm going to say this is his fifth team. Seventh. Really? Oh, he played with the Jets twice, so sixth. Give him to me. Denver after that. Uh, so he played for the Ravens for 10 years. Um, then he played for the Broncos for one. Jets for one. Eagles for one. Jets for two. And now the Browns. And that's great. I mean, I know he had some starts there. He also was a backup there. But just being able to log years in the NFL as a backup quarterback is so incredible. I mean, that pension I was just about doesn't to say, lie. Leon always talks about how, like, hey, if you could just get one more year in there, you know, that's so-and-so much. He, like, has the math in his head. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's – if he's played this many years and at this position, whatever, then, yeah, so he is in year – jeez, 2008 to now, one, two, three – He's been around for 14, 15 years, right? 16 seasons. Okay. Yeah, the NFL PA was so weak forever, and they've done so much to help um, current players with no hitting and no two-a-days and off days and all of this and that. They could have done a much better job with veterans. Now, the pension plan has gotten better with the latest CBA, but it really struggled over the years if you compare it to other, uh, you know, athletics and other professional sports let's get to trevor today Uh, boy i mean how about that acknowledgement by john osher i I mean johnny made it seem like there's a real there's a real chance that he plays on sunday which you know i know frank mentioned it earlier when i talked with him and I, i spoke with someone earlier today who said it to me now i've kind of been like no way no way but I mean, this would be just fantastic if he is actually able to play. Trevor Lawrence today talking about the ankle. I feel a lot better. I feel really, you know, I feel a lot better than I would have thought I'd feel. You know, I'm very fortunate. I'm thankful that it wasn't a worse injury, you know, than what, what I kind of thought it was on the field. So I'm, I'm thankful for that, you know, just some flexibility. You know, Will, my guy in the in the weight room that, that trains me and stuff, is – doing a good job needs a needs a raise or something so he's doing he's doing a good job and uh yeah I mean I'm I'm just thankful and I appreciate all the people the thoughts and prayers and um thankfully it wasn't anything serious but you know that stuff means a lot and it worked you know I'm feeling feeling good so I'm thankful for that I'd like to say it's the same for everyone but I love it when you know that a guy wants to be there wants to really play I I think there's some that will take a week take two weeks um, 
maybe not necessarily in the NFL. Maybe maybe that's more of a baseball or a or a basketball type of comment. I I, I was certainly, certainly not the hockey. NBA. See, it's not that's nowhere near the case in hockey. I mean, hockey guys will take slap shots off the face, go have their face repaired, and miss one shift, and, and then they're back out on the ice. Five DMPs today. That included Trevor Lawrence. He did not practice. Christian Kirk, obviously looking at surgery and probably gone for the year with the core injury. Uh, Walker Little did not go today with a hamstring. Brenton Strange did not go today with a foot. Remember, he was a scratch on Monday night. Trey Herndon did not go with a concussion. The following players today for Jacksonville were limited. C.J. Beathard, the shoulder. Tyson Campbell, quad. Andre Sisco, shoulder. Ribs for Travis Etienne Jr. Big Foley, Badokasi, the heel. All limited, also limited today was Dearness Johnson with the knee and Zay Jones with the knee. So that is a beaten up football team. I'm not going to go through Cleveland yet. Maybe I will tomorrow. Just a couple of notables. Kareem Hunt with the groin didn't work. Maurice Hurst with the groin did not hurt, uh, did not practice. Two DMPs there. Uh, we talked about Miles Garrett, the DMP. Uh, Amari Cooper, he, you know, he's been struggling now. He's had ribs. Now he's in the concussion protocol. He didn't practice today. Uh, some other offensive linemen as well, including uh, Joel. Uh, I think it's Batonio, the starting, I think he's left guard for Cleveland, uh, a DMP. So that is the very latest there for the Cleveland Browns. Okay, uh, a ton of reaction on my college football ramp. Actually really surprised. I would have thought something that that is not uh, controversial would have gotten it from both sides, but it it seems like the majority of you out there are in total agreement uh, with with what I said. So I I, I find that intriguing. I want to get to a couple of these. I, I, I do want to tell you that just for those of you who are wondering, you know, if the playoffs was this weekend, Miami gets the bye. They're the number one seed. Number two seed is Baltimore, who will be here in a week. They would take on a seven seed in Indianapolis. The three seed is Kansas City, even though they lost on Sunday night. They would take on a six seed in Cleveland. So, again, that game, very important for the Browns on Sunday. Then it would be the four seed, Jacksonville. You would get a rematch with. Pittsburgh as a five seed. I tell you what is the craziest thing about this. And, you know, you know, I don't bet. I say it almost once a show, if not a couple of times a week. I, I honestly do not bet. But I like to give you what I like, what I don't like. And, you know, I, I had the Jaguars to win the AFC this year. I threw that out there the entire offseason. And uh, I had receptions 41 and a half on the year for uh, uh, Travis Etienne. He, he currently sits with 40. So uh, that looks like a good thing, but you never know. You, you got to get those two more in order to cash the check. What I never believed was Indianapolis and Houston. Right now, Indianapolis is the last wild card team at seven and five. And the first team out is Houston. That's seven and five. Those teams both have legitimate opportunities 
to grab a wild card spot. I mean, I, I thought the wild card this year was absolutely coming from the north and the west. I, I, I thought, you know, I did think Miami and Buffalo would be head-to-head. I, I didn't think there'd be a three-game difference right now between the Dolphins and the Bills. That is a surprise to me with, with Buffalo. I, I thought they would be more into this thing. But the AFC South, I mean, this is actually scary. And, and look what Indianapolis is doing without Anthony Richardson. Uh, obviously, we've seen what Stroud has done. And, and, you know, very winnable games. Houston goes to New York. Uh, you know, they go to New Jersey this weekend. It was announced earlier today by Robert Sala that it is going to be, uh, once again, Zach Wilson under center. We just saw Cincinnati. They left it all out on the field. Short week now. Indy goes there. Um, so who knows? But um, anyway, pretty interesting there. How are we in time? Are we one behind or can we keep rolling? We need to break. Right, we need to break. There you go. We'll come back. we got much more to do. Let's get to some of these texts. They're always appreciated. I try to answer to, to as many of you as I can. I just We get so many of them, and, and I, I love it. And I try to respond. And if not, um, you know, I do read uh, as many of them as I can. And uh, maybe I'll come back and try to find a couple of ones that I, I, I think are pretty intriguing and uh, spit them out as well. All right, tomorrow night. Six to eight. I'm off Friday. I'm mm. off Friday because I, I got to see Andy Summers at the Ponte Vedra Concert Hall, the former lead guitarist of the police. I checked the set list. Apparently, he's got a little sting with him. He's got a little Stuart Copeland with him on drums. And there's no nonsense. There's no, like, um, you know, uh, whatever it may be with uh, Andy Summers. He, he's playing only police songs. So I figure, why not? Friday night, get after it, have a good time, drink some Miller Lights, maybe just for a few minutes. Maybe if it's only for two hours worth. I can forget about this Florida State thing. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, for what it's worth, if we did have a 12-team college football playoff, of course... We do know that we would have uh, the four teams with a bye, right? That would be uh, Michigan. That would be Washington. That would be Alabama. And that would be Texas. So those four would have a week off. Which if we actually had a 12-team playoff, I bet y'all would be one of those four. Don't you think? Yes, like, they would have given you number four, maybe Bama five. I think if Georgia won. Or maybe Washington five, whatever. I, I think if Georgia won, they would have taken all four undefeated teams. Hey, I know. also think that if – I have a take that no, I've heard no one say, but if Washington would have lost, like everyone expected, and Oregon finishes with the same record, 
and their one loss was earlier in the season to Washington, and it really came down to it like it did, I honestly think they would have put Florida State in over a one-loss Oregon. Mm. I don't care what the numbers were. I know a lot of you Florida State fans bring up like, oh, they jumped this and that. Look at the rankings the week before. Dude, we all know the committee doesn't care about that. Like they'll they'll put a team that was ranked number eight in the number one the next week. They don't care. Like that those numbers well, mean nothing until the last week. Here's another part of this that doesn't get recognized enough. Georgia won twenty nine in a row, and I know this is supposed to be about this year. But you say you made a big deal about four and five, and it was Bama over Florida State. So it's like the committee's like, oh, Florida State. You were so close. You're so good. It's a great defense. We feel bad for you. We're going to have you play number six, Georgia, and Georgia's a 15-point favorite. Well, that's why they did it. Okay. I mean, the, the committee put you guys against Georgia for a reason and because they know that you're <clears throat> most likely going to get destroyed by Georgia, and then you can't say anything after that. But it's – oh, yeah, okay, and I get that side of it, but, I mean – who in the world can say that Florida State should be number five and Georgia should be number six if the dogs are a 15-point oh, favorite? I know, I know. I mean, that doesn't make any—that's just stupid. You can't do that. You would have been better off putting Georgia at five and Florida State at six. So, again, they, they covered their tracks. I never thought about that, but yeah. They covered their tracks, and, and, and again— the biggest problem that happened was not Bama beating Georgia. It was Texas beating Bama. And that was always the issue. That was why, like, I mean, for months you've even been questioning, like, hey, Florida State might not get in, even if they're unbeat. Like, no. you would come on XL primetime, you'd say, you'd say it on this show, and people would laugh about it. Oh, yeah. Matt Hayes and all that. Yeah, were, like, like, oh, dude, if they yeah. go unbeaten, they're in. And you're like, I don't know, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And it's just because every year things fall into place, and it finally yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, this was, unless you were a Florida State fan, this was a deal where Austin, Texas, Tuscaloosa, and I think so many other parts across the country, everyone was pulling for Louisville to win this game. Including and, the broadcast team, like right. you said. But but and it's and that part of it is not because college football fans hate Florida State. No. It's because it was an ugly picture. I mean, watching Brock Glenn play quarterback as an eighteen year old true freshman was was ugly. It was one of the worst football games. It was like, you know, you go see the Rockies and all of a, or, or Scream or Friday the 13th, and all of a sudden they drop like a Friday the 13th part nine on you. And Jason it's just a, X. It's just a terrible watch. That's the way this game was. I mean, we don't care enough about defense. But, Instead of bragging about Florida State's defense, it was all Brock Glenn and how bad this offense was, and it was tough on the eyes. I, I think it was... I mean, during the game, yes, but I think everyone was cheering. Not me. I'm saying, like, obviously I'm a hurricane. I always cheer against y'all. But most people, I think, that didn't really have a cheering interest one way or the other were cheering against you guys because they didn't want you guys to get screwed. I know that sounds insane and ridiculous, but people were cheering for Louisville to win 
because yeah. they didn't want to have to do what happened. They didn't want what happened to have to have happened. You know, like it sucks for college football that you guys went undefeated yeah. and are not in. People will say to me all the time, "Do you uh, have said to me since this, do you think Florida State could beat Alabama? And honestly, my answer to that question is no. But it would have been a different-looking Florida State team. It would have been a Tate Rodemaker-looking Florida State team, not a Brock Glenn-looking Florida State team. Florida State would have had one month of practices, and he would have he would have been healthy. I I still think Alabama. I I would still have picked Alabama. Other people have said to me, "Oh, you know, Michigan would have clobbered you by 40. I'm like, Florida State allowed 29 points once all year. They allowed 24 points in two other games. They just held one of the best offenses in college football to six points. Florida State's not losing by 40 points to anyone. They may get blown out now because, I mean, half the team's left. Okay? I mean, and and this is going to apply to Georgia as well. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, I think Brock Bowers won't play. But we're just going to see how many Georgia kids end up opting, you know, opting out. There'll probably be a few. Florida State's entire defensive line is not going to play. Their starting wide receivers are not going to play. Trey Benson, the running back, is not going to play. Um, so, again, that's like a cow. That's like Colin Cowherd uh, stupidity about Trevor Lawrence in the cart. To say that, that George is going to destroy Florida State now and then there's a C, that's what happened. That's... Oh, I'm going to I'm going to defend you guys had all your starters, man. Georgia would still beat you. Okay, yes. Come on. I'm not I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing like, that. We saw Rodemaker play against Florida. He was ass. Right? Right. I'm not arguing that. I just said that Georgia would beat him there, but uh, this game now, both teams are going to have Yeah, massive it, starters now out. it's completely Done. No, but, I wouldn't have picked Florida State against any one of these teams. I I think they could have I think Michigan I think they could have held Michigan in me check. Me too. Okay. I, I think Michigan if speaking of Michigan and losing by 40, I could see Bama beating the brakes off of them. I, I'm not a huge Michigan fan. Well, what have I been saying for weeks? But that Ohio State win was enough. For weeks, I've been saying the two teams I don't want Florida State to have to play are Georgia and Alabama. Of course. The two best teams in the nation. I thought and still do think they would play with Michigan. They would play with Texas. And they would play with Washington and or Oregon. I, I felt that way. But but Bama and Georgia, no. I I I I just don't agree with that. So but that's a totally different conversation. But it's in the bylaws. It's in their it's in their dossier. It's in their set of rules. If you lose a guy, they can use that to take you out uh, of the four. So, you know, we'll never know the answer. Uh, to that particular question. I, I just hate the way it was ruled. You know, may, maybe it saved some embarrassment. I I don't know. And, you know, kind of lost in all of this is... You still would rather get in and yeah. get embarrassed, though. You know, like, oh, yeah. wouldn't you? Well, I mean, uh, here's another one for you. I know we got to take a break. How about the idiots out there who say they didn't want another TCU? Florida State would have been another TCU. Do you people forget that TCU beat Michigan? They won the semifinal. Okay. Georgia was far and away the best team in America. 
why would you waste time by mentioning TC? That's they why won I, their semifinal football that's game. That's why I laugh when people are like, oh, Florida State would get beat bad by Michigan. Even it's like, it, what? Yeah. Do you remember last year? So what? So if Florida State beat Michigan or beat Ta- and then lost to Georgia, Alabama, it got crushed, it still was a wrong – I mean, people are – taking credit away from what TCU did a year ago. And again, it feels like most of those people forget that they actually beat Michigan. It's it's amazing how look good doing it. It yeah. wasn't a fluke whatsoever. Not not at all. It was it was a very um very interesting football game. Anyway, uh getting a ton on this um as always, it is appreciated. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, my takeaway uh, is simply this. I, I, I keep getting the obligatory, hey, Baloo, Florida State would have gotten in if Deion Sanders was your coach. And I agree with that. Okay? All the pub that he received, can you imagine the media, what they would have done if Deion Sanders and Florida State was left out of the college football playoff? Here's the problem. Deion Sanders never would have gone 13-0. and Deion Sanders is not nearly as good of a coach right now as Mike Norvell. I've been up against Norvell in a lot of different situations since he's taken over, but he did a really good job as a coach this year. And I think it's unfair to make that comment. Because of the publicity, yes. But right now, Dion's not near enough a good coach. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. You agree with that? Let's just say Dion's 13-0. and zero. You oh, yeah. That? If Deion Sanders is the head coach of Florida yeah. State, the flair, the glamour, oh, all that. God. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely – Florida State's definitely in. Um, I know you and I really haven't talked a lot since that announcement on Sunday. And I've been I'm, avoiding you. Yeah, well, I've never been a Florida State homer by any stretch of the imagination. I thought Sunday was a terrible day for college football. Oh. That Florida State deserved to be in. Um, are they the best team right now? That's debatable. I think TCU getting blown out last year by 58 – might have scared the committee off a little bit. Even after beating Michigan, really? Well, that's well, that's a good point. They got blown out in the championship game. Yep. But if you're thirteen and zero in a Power Five, you do every. You only mm-hmm. play thirteen. You win thirteen. It's all you can do, and you get left out. I don't blame any Florida State fan for being fuming right now. Well, answering to Florida State is a lot easier for them than answering to Alabama. Yeah, and to me, the problem wasn't Bama. The problem was Texas beating Bama. Texas has more money than them both. Well, and, and, the, and, and Texas is also going into the SEC. And the thing with the committee, too, is they never have to answer for this. Yeah. The precedent's been set, but it doesn't matter it's because funny. next year they're going to 12 teams, yeah. and you will never again have a situation where a Power 5 conference champion is left out of a 12-team playoff. So this was a one-time only deal. It'll never happen again, and unfortunately – It'll go down in history books. It's happening to Florida yeah. State only. It's uh, it's 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 brutal. And I do these Florida State reports on primetime and on the afternoon show. And I I brought up this exact scenario a couple of times. I said if Bama beats Georgia, I thought honestly, I thought two SEC teams would have. If you had asked me, 
I would have kept Georgia in all along. And obviously they went to Texas. But Texas getting in, as far as I'm concerned, is simply the committee can't justify putting in Alabama without putting in Texas. It, 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 it's as simple as that. Yeah. And, and Texas played ugly. They barely won some games. They fooled around with, what, UCF. They fooled around with Iowa State. Ewers was out for a little bit, but they had some ugly wins. And, you know, they put up, I think, 50-plus points the last two weeks. That helped. There have been so much outrage for Florida State not getting in, and with good reason. But you're right about Georgia. They were number one for the last two months, the back-to-back defending national champion. They lose a neutral site game by three points with a game decided with under three minutes to go, and they fall from one to six. Right, right. One to six. And the committee tries to say, oh, we feel really bad for you, Florida State. I mean, you were this close. We're putting you at five. Okay, you'll take on number six, Georgia, and they're a 15-point favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all you got to say. They're a fi- no one in the world – is going to put Florida State in ahead of Georgia. They're a 15-point underdog and the in or- that game. The Orange Bowl's got great folks. I know you've been down there more times than you can count probably covering that game. Well, you wonder both of these fan bases, will Georgia fans travel? Will they care? Will Florida State fans? I guess the ones in South Florida will go, but there's a lot of talk about boycotting the Orange Bowl because of what happened. Now, that's not fair to the Orange Bowl. They had nothing to do with it, but I just wonder, you know... They canceled the press conferences today, right? Norvell and Kirby yeah. were supposed to talk. I, I think know. that was recruiting stuff, though. I, you know, I, I know that early on people were like, oh, they're going to boycott. I boycotting doesn't. I don't think they're going to boycott. I don't think the fans like I know Florida State season ticket holders. Now they're in the Folkestone, Georgia area. They make the trip to Tallahassee. They've gone to bowl games in the past. They have no desire to go to Miami. Yeah, None. I mean, bowls are weird. There's a lot of public money. There's a lot of corporation money, and I, I have a feeling there'll be a lot of uh, – there's been a lot of companies that have spent money, and there'll probably end up being a lot of freebies uh, dispersed uh, around come come game time. Um, yeah, I mean, folks from here, folks from Tallahassee, you really got to be a diehard. If you're going to go down for that game. Well, in the Florida State, bottom line for this, and tell me if I'm wrong, they're in a no-win situation to me. If you win, the narrative is going to be Georgia didn't want to be there. And if you lose, the narrative is going to be, see, that's why they didn't go to the playoff. Yeah. So literally, to me, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. But but, but that's crap. I'm going to defend the latter. Although I will say, if you had them both and you played, I'm, I'm picking Georgia. I'm picking Georgia. I mean, they've won. I think they're a better team. There's only a few schools in America that I would pick over Florida State. It, the two definites for me are Bama and Georgia. I, I would wrestle back and forth with the others, and that includes without Jordan Travis. I mean, Michigan's offense is – I get these people say Michigan would have beat you by 40. Like, Florida State gave up 29 points once. Look at Louisville. They scored 38, 35, 34. They're one of the best offenses in America. They scored six points. They're saying Michigan would have beat you by 40 uh, with, with Jordan Travis? Um, No, without Jordan okay, Travis. Okay, without. about to say, okay. with Jordan Travis. But how are you going to score 40 points with this defense that gave up 29 points once and 24 twice? Yeah, the defense is fantastic. With Jordan Travis, I thought y'all could have beat anybody. I thought you could have won the national title. Well, with Jordan Travis, we would have certainly broken it down and had an op, you know, but... Uh, Are you, I mean, I'm not trying to pour salt in the wound. No. Sadness, depression, anger, kind of where are you? Where's the Florida State fan base um, right now? I'm, uh, well, they're all pissed. <laughs> but, but um, 
you know, I, I feel much better after tonight's show because I finally unleashed on it. I, I've been bottled up since Sunday. I mean, the Jags are still the meal ticket, and I won on on Monday, and last night I did all Jags. I feel better. Um, I feel bad that they got screwed. That's the best way I can say it. I never get sad in sports, only mad, only happy or mad. So I'm mad at, I'm mad at the way that it happened. But I'm also mad at a lot of different things. And part of that is Florida State's administration. Florida State's Board of Trustees made a massive mistake by openly calling out the Atlantic Coast Conference to come out and say they're better than the ACC after the way they had played mm-hmm. in the last nine years, including 11, 11 and 13 in the ACC in the last three years, to call them out and say, we're too good for you. I think Boo Corrigan, I think Jim Phillips and others said, you know what? It's going to cost us a little bit in the pocketbook, but screw Florida State. Take this after what you did. You're part of the GOR. You're here till 2036. Who's going to take you? The Big Ten didn't want you. The Big 12 didn't want you. The SEC didn't want you. They may in the future, but they came out and made all of these declarations without a landing spot. I mean, how stupid do you have to be? Clemson's unhappy. North Carolina's unhappy. My... They didn't publicly come out the way that Drew Weatherford and Florida State's Board of Trustees did, and that's a massive mistake. Yeah, I remember talking to. We're a couple into of, your first segment, by the way. No, we're good. I, I know this is all new, unleashed uh, Hacker and Baloo. Hey, it's all Hacker, hey, hacker and Baloo. I like the sound of that, or Baloo and Hacker, for that matter. No, mm. we'll do a lot of college football tonight. We'll do a lot of NFL tonight, but it's a it's a hot topic, and it'll remain a hot topic. And I'll tell you, the Orange Bowl to me is going to be fascinating to see what happens. How seriously Georgia takes it. How seriously Florida State takes it. All right. Have a great night, Hack. Have Thanks, a lot Rick. of fun. That's it, folks. I appreciate all your input tonight um, and everything uh, getting to us. Some some really good stuff. Try to get to you as many as I could. It's just uh, been a whole heck of a lot of people getting in. Thank you to John Osher for joining us tomorrow night, 6 to 8, right here on a Thursday. Well, the very latest, hopefully a better day health-wise for the Jags, although it was good news with Trevor Lawrence. Feeling much better today than he certainly did when he went down on Monday night. That's going to do it. If you want to get a hold of me, best bet, Baloo1010XL on Twitter. For JJ LaSalva, I am Rick Baloo. Have a great night.